بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له وما يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد فإن أحسن الكلام كلام الله وخير الهدى هدى محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وَإِنَّ شَرَّ الْأُمُورِ مُحْتَثَاتُهَا وَكُلَّ مُحْتَثَةٍ بِدْعَةٍ وَكُلَّ بِدْعَةٍ ضَلَالَةٍ وَكُلَّ ضَلَالَةٍ فِي النَّارِ So in this short reminder today, inshallah ta'ala, before we uh, break our fast, uh, we want to take some benefits from Sheikh Muhammad bin Salih al-Uthaymeen, rahimahullah ta'ala, on the Qur'an, the virtues of the Qur'an, and the rewards for reciting the Quran and So the Shaykh begins his reminder with the statement of Allah Azza wa Jal Inna alladheena yatluna kitab Allah وَأَقَامُوا الصَّلَاةَ وَأَنْفَقُوا مِمَّا رَزَقْنَاهُمْ سِرًّا وَعَلَانِيَّةً يَرْجُونَ تِجَارَةً لَنْ تَبُورَ Indeed, those who recite the book of Allah and who establish the prayer and who spend from that which we have provided them both in the secret and in the open they hope for a trade that will never expire. Starting with this ayah in the Qur'an, the Shaykh mentions that when we speak about the tilawa or the recitation of the Qur'an, then this is of two types. There is a tilawa which the Shaykh calls hukmiya, And this basically means a recitation in which a person is actually following what the Qur'an is telling him to do. So in the Qur'an, for example, we are ordered to believe in Allah, believe in His messengers, believe in His angels, believe in paradise, believe in hellfire. So to follow that command, which is to have iman, to actually believe in these things, likewise, we are ordered with obligations, the obligation of the prayer, the obligation of the fasting, the obligation of the zakah. So likewise, to actually abide by these commands. And similarly, those things which Allah has prohibited us from in the Qur'an, from shirk, from worshipping others besides Allah, from uh, you know, disobedience to parents, from falling into many of the other sins that Allah has prohibited, then likewise, to keep away from all those things. So this type of recitation, this type of tilawa, is called the tilawa hukmiya. Basically, you are following the actual commands of the Qur'an. This is one type. And the other type the Shaykh mentions is the tilawa, which is lafdiyya. Which is the tilawa which we all commonly know, commonly understand, which most people understand, which is to simply recite the Qur'an in its wording. And so this is what most people understand uh, of the Qur'an, 
of its uh, recitation and we are going to look inshallah ta'ala halfway through the lesson uh, in a bit more detail about this this word tilawa what does it mean and how did the sahaba radiyallahu ta'ala anhum and their students the tabi'in how did they understand what is meant by the word tilawa uh, which is translated as to recite to recite uh, the quran so this quran was revealed in the month of ramadan as we see in surah al-baqarah shahr ramadan alladhi unzila fihi al-quran hudan lin-nas hudan lin-nas wa bayyinatin min al-huda wal-furqan that the month of ramadan in which the Quran was revealed as guidance, containing guidance, and as clear proofs, clear evidences of guidance, and as a criterion, a criterion between the truth and between the, the falsehood. So the virtue of this Quran, first of all, and likewise the virtue of the month in which it was revealed, they go together, for that reason, we are commanded to fast the month of Ramadan. فَمَنْ شَهِدَ مِنْكُمْ The ayah continues. So whoever amongst you witnesses this month, meaning this month of Ramadan, in which the Qur'an was revealed, then let him fast, let him fast this, uh, this month. So we're going to look at two types of recitation, the two types of tilawa, the tilawa in the first part, which is lafziyya. And the Shaykh says, This is the recitation of the Quran. He says, So he says, There are many texts which have come from the Messenger of Allah about the excellence of the Quran. Either the Quran as a whole, just the Quran as a whole, or specific chapters of the Quran or specific verses of the Quran and then the Shaykh will bring us many a hadith in this regard so from them is the hadith of Uthman bin Affan radiallahu anhu that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said khayrukum man ta'allam al-Quran wa'allamah the best amongst you the best amongst you is the one who learns the Quran and then he teaches it. And so keep in mind that when we speak about learning the Quran, we are not speaking only about learning how to recite the Quran because this is only one half of the entire thing. This is only one half of the, the purpose behind the Quran. And this will become clear inshallah ta'ala as we, as we uh, will learn how the Sahaba radiallahu anhum used to used to uh, learn and act upon the Qur'an in small pieces. So this hadith was reported by Al-Bukhari and Muslim. And likewise, the hadith of Aisha, radiallahu anha, that the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, Al-mahiru bil-Qur'an ma'as-safaratil kiram al-bararah, wal-ladhi yaqra'u al-Qur'an, wa yatata'ata'u fihi, wa huwa alihi shaq, lahu ajran. The Messenger of Allah said, the one who is skilled in the Qur'an, he is skilled in the recitation of the Qur'an, then he will be 
in the company of the noble, the noble, the dutiful, uh, the messenger angels, a specific type of angel. And the one who recites the Quran and he has, you know, he, he, he stutters or he has difficulty in it and it is hard upon him, then he will have two rewards. So this now is an encouragement to everybody, every person, not to be shy and not to, not to hold back from reciting the Quran even if he finds a difficulty. Or even if he finds that he will be, you know, some people might feel that they will be looked down upon or they might be embarrassed. This hadith is an encouragement to ignore all of that and to continue in trying to recite the Quran despite whatever difficulty that you might, you might face. And over time, inshallah ta'ala, you will overcome those difficulties. And in any case, the shaykh says, the two rewards, first of all, you get the reward of the actual recitation that you are doing, the fact that you are reciting. And secondly, the reward for the difficulty that you encounter, that you, that you are trying to pass over while you are reciting the Qur'an. Likewise, in uh, reported by Al-Bukhari, Al-Muslim, from Abi Musa Al-Ash'ari, radiallahu anhu, that the Prophet, sallallahu wasallam, said, and he gave us a parable, a similitude. So he said, مَثَلُ الْمُؤْمِنِ الَّذِي يَقْرَأُ الْقُرْآنِ The similitude, or the likeness of the one who recites the Qur'an, of the believer who recites the Qur'an, is the example of a citrus fruit, like a citrus fruit. And uh, What you get from this fruit is, number, is first of all, you can actually smell the fragrance of the fruit. It has a nice, you know, beautiful fragrance when you, when you smell it. And likewise, its taste is good as well. So this is the example of the, of the believer. The believer, who he's, he's a believer to begin with, he has iman, and then he recites the Quran on top of that. Right? So he has a good, a good, good smell, and likewise a good taste by virtue of iman and then the Quran. And as for the believer, and as for the believer who does not recite the Quran, meaning it's not in his habit or his routine to to always recite the Quran, then he is like the date. He's like the date. The date doesn't have a fragrance. Dates don't have a fragrance like you have the, the citrus fruit. However, its taste is sweet. Its taste is sweet. So in other words, in both situations there is excellence and virtue for the believer, but the one who recites the Quran and who is frequent in reciting the Qur'an, then he has something, something additional, something extra, that he has a fragrance about him and around him that the other believer does not have by way of the, of the recitation of the Qur'an. Likewise from the excellences and the virtues of the, the Qur'an and the recitation of the Qur'an is that the Qur'an will come as an inter intercessor it will come and intercede on your behalf on Yawmul Qiyamah. The Messenger of Allah said in the hadith related by Abu Umama radiallahu anhu, 
And that he said, Iqra'ul Qur'an fa'innahu ya'ti yawmal qiyamah shafi'an li'ashabih. Recite the Qur'an, for indeed it will come on the day of judgment as an interceder, as an intercessor for the one, those who would recite it. So as we know on the day of judgment, there will be numerous types of intercession. Intercession meaning where somebody appeals to Allah on behalf of another person. Right? He appeals to Allah, asks Allah for something, for some relief on behalf of another person. And we believe this as Muslims that on the day of judgment there will be numerous types of shafa'ah, numerous types of intercession. Intercession of the Prophet intercession of the angels, intercession of the believers. And here we are told that the Quran likewise will come and it will, it will intercede for those who would memorize it, recite it, and likewise who would abide and act by its teachings. Also, the hadith from Uqba bin Amir radiallahu anhu that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he said does not one of you leave and go to the mosque does not one of you go to the mosque and then learn or recite two verses from the book of Allah just two verses these two verses are better for him than two camels. Two camels. Now camels, if you're in the desert, this is a prized possession for you. It is your food, it is drink for you. It is your food. It, well, it's, it's a drink, first of all. A food only if you slaughter it, but it's your drink. And it is your transport. Right? This is a camel, is a prized possession. So similarly, it would be like today we have means of transport and you know we have cars and things like this whatever possession you have which is the same as as a camel would be to the people in in the desert so if you come to the masjid and you learn two ayat two verses ayatain two verses or you recite two verses this is better for you than two camels and he says wasalathun khairun lahu min thalath and three, to recite three or to learn three is better for him than three camels. And four are better for him than four camels. You know, of their like from, 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 the, from the camels. So look at the excellence of even just coming to the masjid and learning, memorizing, reciting just two of the Verses of the Book of Allah Azza wa Jal. Similarly, in Sahih Muslim from Abu Huraira radiallahu ta'ala anhu, that the Prophet said, Majtama'a qawmun fi bayti min buyutillah yatluna kitab Allah wa yatadarasunahu baynahum illa nazalat alihimus sakina wa ghashiyat humul rahma wa haffat humul malaikatu wa dhakar humullah fi man indah. No group of people gather together in a house from the houses of Allah 
reciting the book of Allah and studying it between themselves except that tranquility descends upon them serenity and calmness and tranquility descends upon them and mercy envelopes them mercy covers them and the angels surround them the angels surround them and Allah he mentions them to those who are near him meaning to those angels who are near him so this is basically what we are engaged in right now we have met together in a house from the houses of Allah and we are reciting the book of Allah we are studying the book of Allah and the reward for this is tranquility and mercy and the angels being present and enveloping the, 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 the believers and Allah mentioning those people to those who are with him in the highest company also we are told we are taught in the sunnah of the messenger of Allah وسلم, about the nature of this Quran this Quran is such that on the one hand it is easy to memorize it is easy to memorize and on the other hand it is something that can be very quickly forgotten so the messenger of Allah وسلم, he said he said that you should uh, attend to or pay attention to the Quran, be attentive with the Quran, for by him in whose hand is my soul, it is more severe in slipping away and passing away like the camel in its, you know, in the, in, in, in the pen or in whatever you know, the place that you, where you keep the camels, if it is left unattended, it will disappear. It will be on its way and it will be gone. So the Qur'an is similar. If you memorize the Qur'an, it is only kept in your heart by revising, reciting, and uh, on top of this, acting upon the Qur'an. That is the best way to actually keep the Qur'an in memory, in your memory, in your heart, and in your memory. And likewise, if a person is unable to recall the Qur'an which he once knew, a surah, an ayah, then we are prohibited from saying, لا يقول أحدكم نسيتو آيةً نسيتو آيةً كيت وكيت وكيت بل هو نصيّة So the Messenger of Allah said in this hadith related by Muslim, let not one of you say, I forgot this ayah. I forgot such and such ayah or such and such ayah. Rather, he was made to forget. And the Shaykh Rahimullah explains, وَذَلِكَ أَنَّ قَوْلَهُ نَسِيتُ قَدْ يُشْعِرُ بِعَدَمِ الْمُبَالَاتِ بِمَا حَفِذَ مِنَ الْقُرْآنِ حَتَّى نَسِيَهُ This means that the statement, when you say, I forgot the Qur'an, or I forgot this verse, then this, this kind of means that you have a, uh, you, you are uh, that a person is showing he's not, not, not concerned about the Quran, he doesn't care about the Quran so it's a kind of a word that implies some sort of disrespect to the Quran, when you say I forgot, I used to know such and such surah but now I forgot that surah I used to know such and such ayah but I forgot this ayah because it implies that to forget the Quran 
is something which is light, something which is, there's nothing wrong with it, right? You are belittling this, this issue. So a person should never say that. Rather, it is the case that he was made to forget by the qada and the qadr of Allah Azza wa Jal, and he should, he should alter and change that situation. Likewise from Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu, that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he mentioned the reward for reciting the Qur'an. مَنْ قَرَأَ حَرْفًا مِنْ كِتَابِ اللَّهِ فَلَهُ بِهِ حَسَنَةُ وَالْحَسَنَةُ بِعَشْرِ أَمْثَالِهَا Whoever recited the Qur'an, uh, whoever recited a word from the book of Allah, then he will have a good deed for it. And a good deed has is multiplied with ten of its likes. And I do not say, لا أقول ألف لا ميم حرفن. I do not say that ألف لا ميم together, these three letters together is one word. ولكن ألف حرف ولام حرف وميم حرف. However, the ألف is one حرف, one, one, one حرف. And the لام is one حرف. And the ميم is one حرف. So there are, there are three for every single letter in every single word. There is one reward, then it is multiplied ten times over. And likewise, from the statement of Ibn Mas'ud, radiallahu anhu himself, and he was from the great scholars of tafsir, along with Ibn Abbas, radiallahu anhuma, he was from the great scholars of the Qur'an. He said, إِنَّ هَذَا الْقُرْآنِ حَبْلُ اللَّهِ الْمَتِينِ وَالنُّورُ الْمُبِينِ وَالشِّفَاءُ النَّافِعِ Indeed, this Qur'an is the, 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 the strong rope of Allah. And it is the clear light. And it is the beneficial cure. The beneficial healing. And it is a protection for the one who held fast to it. And it is a safety or deliverance for the one who followed it. This is a beautiful, beautiful statement from Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu. It is a rope of Allah to which one should cling to. It is a light which gives guidance, which directs a person. It is a healing for what is in the hearts of people, of ignorance and of the various other diseases of the hearts, of anxiety, of, you know, uh, uh, the fear and all of those other things. It is a healing for the hearts. And it is a protection for the one who holds fast to it. And it is deliverance for the one who follows it. So after mentioning all of these texts, all of these texts are general for the Qur'an, for the recitation of the Qur'an. And they indicate a tremendous a reward for actions which are very simple and easy. You recite from your memory that which you've memorized, or you sit and you open the Qur'an. This is a very, very easy action to do on a daily basis. And so there are tremendous rewards, as you have seen. Then, in addition to this, in addition to the general uh, mention of the virtues of the Qur'an, there are many texts which mention the virtues of specific surahs in the Qur'an. So from them, in Sahih al-Bukhari, from Abi Sa'id, in, from Abi Sa'id bin al-Mu'alla, radiyallahu anhu, that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, um, 
لأعلمنك أعظم سورة في القرآن الحمد لله رب العالمين هي السبع المثاني والقرآن العظيم الذي أوتيته He said, I will teach you the greatest chapter in the Quran, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, which is Surah Al-Fatiha. It is the seven often repeated verses and the mighty Quran with which I was, which I was given. This Surah Al-Fatiha is such, is so tremendous that we see uh, in another hadith, the Messenger of Allah said, it has been made to be a pillar in the prayer. It is a pillar of the prayer, a rukun of the, of the prayer. La salata liman lam yaqra kitab. There is no prayer for the one who does not recite Surah Al-Fatiha in his prayer. And likewise from Abu Huraira, radiallahu anhu, who said that the Messenger of Allah said, man salla salatan lam yaqra fiha bifatihatil kitab, he said this three times. Whoever does not recite, whoever prays but does not recite the Fatiha, then it is Khidaj. Khidaj, khidaj is a word that refers to um, a woman who loses her child, an abortion, loses uh, the child. Right? So uh, a person who prays without the Fatiha, then it, it is, you know, it is, it is uh, empty and it is lost. And the messenger would repeat this a number of times. So someone said to Abu Huraira, Inna nakuna wara al Imam. But what about when we are behind the Imam? So he said, Iqra biha fi nafsik. Read it in, in yourself, meaning in your, to yourself, behind the, behind the Imam, reported by Muslim. So Surah Al Fatiha is the opening of the Qur'an, it is an introdu introduction to the Qur'an, and this surah encapsulates all of the meanings of the Qur'an, in just these seven verses. Beginning with the Basmala, in the name of Allah, the most merciful, the ever merciful to his servants, it begins with, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, here Allah is praised on account of his <coughs> on his of his rububiyyah, his lordship, the fact that he is the creator, the provider, the sustainer, and the fact that he has the names and attributes which belong to him, he's praised on account of that. And then Ar Rahman Ar Rahim. So this first ayah is something that brings about love in the heart of a believer. When you recite this verse, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, you know that it is by way of Allah, His lordship, His creatorship. And him providing for you that you enjoy all the benefits that you enjoy of life, of food, of drink, of hearing, of seeing. So when you recite this ayah, you're reminded of these favors and bounties. And this brings love in your heart for Allah. So this ayah inculcates, brings about love in the heart of a believer. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Ar Rahman Ar Rahim. Now Allah is the one who is full of mercy. The one, who, the one who is full of mercy, Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim, and the one who is ever merciful to his believing servants. When a believer recites this ayah, he develops hope in his heart that Allah will forgive him. Right? Now his heart is hopeful for the mercy of Allah whose mercy surrounds every single thing. 
But then, after this ayah, he then recites, Maliki Yawmiddin, the master of the day of judgment. And so this now inculcates within him fear, because he fears the, 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 the accounting on the day of judgment for his deeds, and he fears the punishment of Allah. So not only is Allah Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, but he's also the one who is, who is Malik, the owner of the day of judgment. And he's the one who punishes and rewards, uh, punishes or forgives. So when a believer recites these three verses, these are now the foundations of ibadah. These are the foundations of worship. What is worship? Worship begins in your heart and it begins with these three feelings. Your love of Allah, which propels you to obey Him. You love Allah, it leads you to obey Him. Similar to how you would love your parents. A true sign of your love for your parents is that you would obey your parents. And then likewise, when you know that He is the most merciful, you hope in His forgiveness. And when you know that He is the master of the day of judgment, you fear his punishment. So a believer remembers this every time he recites this uh, chapter in the prayer and outside of the prayer. And then we say, These two statements are statements of Tawheed. Of Tawheed. You alone do we worship. This is a statement that Allah alone is worthy of worship. And the proof for that is the three verses that came before. Because the three verses that came before, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Allah is the Lord of the worlds. And He has beautiful names, Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim, Al-Malik, or Al-Malik. So by way of His Rububiyyah and His Asma'i wa Sifat, this is a proof that He is worthy of worship. So we say, You alone do we worship. From you alone do we seek help. So this now is when we, when we acknowledge that Allah is the Rabb, the Lord, the Creator, the Owner, the one who controls life and death and everything else of rain, provision, sustenance, everything. He is the one from whom we are seeking aid in our worship of Him. This is a proof for Allah's rububiyyah. And that we seek aid by way of Allah Azza wa Jal. And then we ask him for guidance. Guide us to the straight path. The path of those, Sirat alayhim, the path of those upon whom you have bestowed your favor. Not of those upon whom is your anger, nor of those who are astray. Here in the second half of the, the chapter, Allah has divided the whole of mankind into three groups. This is a classification of mankind. Mankind are of three groups. There are those upon whom is Allah's favor. They are those who receive knowledge and they act upon the knowledge. They have ilm and they have amal. So they receive knowledge and they act upon that knowledge. So they are the prophets and the messengers and their companions and those who are upon their way. 
because they combine between al-ilm wal-amal between knowledge and action then he said al-maghdubi alayhim ghayr al-maghdubi alayhim not of those upon whom is your anger those upon whom is Allah's anger are the ones who have knowledge they are given knowledge of the truth and guidance but they do not act upon it they neglect that knowledge and they do not act upon that upon that knowledge and so this trait and this quality is found amongst the yahud the, the sahaba they explain this ayah that this ayah this this quality mentioned here of having the ilm having the torah having the bayinat in the torah having the ahkam the law in the torah the laws in the torah and then not acting upon that this brings upon the anger of allah azawajal so this is knowledge without action and then he mentioned after that waladallin not of those who are astray and those who are astray are those who act upon ignorance who act upon other than knowledge right so this is characterized this 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 quality we see is prominent amongst the nasara those who are the the christians because they acted upon ignorance without the law upon other than sound revelation and they worshiped allah upon ignorance and upon innovations and things of that nature right so this now is action upon jahl upon upon other than knowledge so these are the three types of people as it relates to the revelation of allah those who combine between ilm and amal and the, and, and then those who have knowledge but they do not act upon it <coughs> and then those who act upon other than knowledge and so we are constantly reminding ourselves every time that we recite this surah in the quran or in 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 the prayer that we not be like those people who came before us that allah makes us from those who upon whom is his favor ilm wal amal and not to be like those nations who came before us and this means that amongst the muslims are those who possess these two qualities amongst the muslims because muslims are those from the from the from the sum of those to whom a book has been sent we are we are within that category of muslims and then the yahud and then the nasara and then others who received a book right this applies to all of those people so every individual me you i everybody is in between these three states and conditions in some cases maybe he has he's he has knowledge and he acts upon that knowledge in some cases maybe he has knowledge he's not acting upon it in other cases he is acting upon ignorance without knowledge a believer is always in in either of these three conditions you know in in his life so therefore it is upon him to remove this jahl from himself and also to abide by the quran to abide by his with his knowledge so this is a tremendous tremendous surah uh, suratul fatiha and ibn al-qayyim rahimahullahu ta'ala just on the middle verse iyyaka na'budu wa iyyaka nasta'in he's written a whole three volume book called madarij as-salikin just on this on this one one verse because of the greatness of this of this verse then also the virtues and the excellence of suratul baqarah and surat ali imran these chapters come immediately after suratul fatiha 
and they are basically an explanation an explanation of the types of people mentioned in suratul fatiha because suratul baqarah you see that it discusses the yahud the jews so after the introduction of the surah it then goes on to mention the bani israel allah's favors upon them his revelations upon them and sending down the torah upon them but they did not abide by it and they abandoned its teachings they became arrogant they altered its teachings they, they, they altered its words and they played fast and loose with this with this book and so their hearts became hardened so they are those upon whom is allah's anger because they did not act upon the knowledge he gave them so suratul baqarah is an explanation of those who are al-maghdubi alayhim and then ali imran which comes after that is an explanation of those who are adhalin because in surah ali imran comes the story of isa alayhi salam and those to whom he was sent and within there is a refutation of some of the doctrines of the christians so you see that as you progress from suratul fatiha as you progress and you move on into the chapters that follow it is an elab continued elaboration of suratul fatiha and of the you know of the uh, of the of, of what we find in suratul fatiha so these are these two chapters and for that reason they have tremendous virtue as mentioned in the sunnah of the messenger of allah sallallahu alaihi read the two illuminated or the two glowing chapters al-baqarah and ali imran for indeed they will come on the day of judgment like two clouds or two shades or as if they are two groups of you know when you see a um, uh, large flock of birds together forming almost like a cloud in in the sky you see birds sometimes they do this uh, know at sunset and there's literally thousands of them together and they move all together like a cloud right this is what you're referring to that they will come like two big clouds of of birds and they meaning these two surahs they will come and they will argue they will argue in favor of those who would recite these chapters so read suratul baqarah for indeed to take it for inna akhdhaha baraka to take it is baraka it is blessing uh wa tarkaha hasra and to leave it is basically like it's type of, it's a type of sorrow and grief wala yastati'uha al-batala yani as-sahara and as for the magicians the magic the magicians they are not able to uh, to handle it right so Surah Al-Baqarah it is a protection from magic and likewise it will come on the day of judgment and it was it, it will argue for your case on on the day of judgment and likewise from Abu Huraira radhiyallahu anhu who said that the prophet said in al-bayt alladhi tuqra fihi Surah Al-Baqarah la yadkhulhu ash-shaytan indeed the house in which Surah Al-Baqarah is recited then the shaytan will not enter that house 
And the Shaykh explains, وَذَلِكَ لِأَنَّ فِيهَا آيَةُ الْكُرْسِ This is because Surah Al-Baqarah contains the best, the, the, the most virtuous, excellent ayah in the Qur'an, which is Ayatul Qursi. And he says, وَقَدْ صَحَّ عَنَّ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ أَنَّ مَنْ قَرَأَهَا فِي لَيْلَةٍ لَمْ يَزَلْ عَلَيْهِ مِنَ اللَّهِ حَافِذٍ وَلَا, يقربه ولا يقربه شيطان حتى يصبح. That the one who recites Ayatul Qursi in the night, then he will never cease to be, to have from Allah a protector, an angel that protects him. And nor will shaitan approach him up until he reaches the morning. And likewise, with, uh, we see that uh, Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhumah, that he narrated that Jibreel alayhi salam said, whilst he was with the Prophet sallallahu that there is a door which has been opened from the heaven, which has never ever been opened before this. And then an angel descended from it and came to the Prophet And he said, Abshir bin Nurain, glad tidings of two lights which you have been given and which no Prophet has been given before you. Fatihatul Kitab wa khawatimu suratil Baqarah. The opening of the Quran, of the book, which is Ratul Fatiha, and the final verses of Surah Al-Baqarah. This is reported by Muslim. And also of those chapters in which there is the virtue mentioned is Surah Al-Ikhlas. So in Sahih Al-Bukhari from Abi Sa'idin Al-Khudri, radiyallahu anhu, that the Prophet said, وَالَّذِي نَفْسِ بِيَدِهِ إِنَّهَا تَعْدِلُ ثُلْثَ الْقُرْآنِ By him in whose hand is my soul, Indeed, it equals a third of the Qur'an. And so the third of the Qur'an, we have Tawheed in the Qur'an, we have the laws of Allah in the Qur'an, and then we have the stories, those things which are mentioned, the akhbar, about that which we cannot see, of paradise, hellfire, the, 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 the messengers who came before. So the Qur'an contains these types, and the Suratul Ikhlas, establishes the oneness of Allah Azawajal, establishes his tawheed, establishes his names, establishes his attributes, and it is a refutation of the Christians. This surah was revealed in refutation of the Christians who came to dispute with the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu And so this was revealed, ahad, say, I'll say, say he's Allah the one, Allahu Samad, the one who is the self-sufficient master, who is perfect in everything, perfect in his knowledge, Perfect in his mercy, perfect in his, in his wisdom, per, in every attribute he has perfection. Lam um, yalid, he never begot, walam yulad, nor was he begotten, a refutation of the, of the Christians. And there is none which is, which is a co-equal to him. So the shaykh then goes on to explain that even though it has been described as being equal to one-third of the Qur'an. This does not mean that a person can now come along and, you know, uh, in, in, in his prayer, for example, and recite it three times, and therefore it is now uh, fulfilled, the recitation of the Fatiha for him. No. And the Shaykh goes on to give a similar example of um, uh, a statement a hadith in which the Messenger of Allah said, Man qala la ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika la lahul mulku wa lahul hamdu wa huwa la kulishin kadir. Whoever says this ten times, then it will, it will be equal to freeing 
four slaves from the offspring of Ismail salam. Right? To say that ten times is equivalent to freeing four slaves. Now, does this mean that if a Muslim as part of an expiation, because there are some actions which if a person falls into, the expiation for some of those actions is, one of the options is to free a slave. So can now a Muslim come along and simply recite this ten times? La ilaha illallah wahdahu la shirk to the end. Recite ten times and now it has fulfilled his obligation, his, his, you know, his act of removing, uh, of uh, freeing the slaves. Of course not. Of course not. It doesn't mean that. So this is simply mentioning the virtues of this surah by way of the meaning which it contains, which is one third of the meaning of the, of the Qur'an. And finally the shaykh goes on to mention the mu'awwadatayn at the end of the Qur'an. قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ الْفَلَقِ وَقُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ النَّاسِ So from Uqba bin Amir radiallahu anhu, that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, أَلَمْ تَرَ آيَاتٍ أُنزِلَةِ اللَّيْلَةِ لَمْ يُرَأْ مِثْلُهُنَّ قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ الْفَلَقِ وَقُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ النَّاسِ That I have not, have you not seen verses which were revealed on this night, the likes which have not been seen before. قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ الْفَلَقِ سُرَةُ الْفَلَقِ and وَقُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ النَّاسِ And the Prophet also said in another, uh, another narration to Uqba that he ordered him to recite these two chapters. And then he said to him, مَا سَأَلَ سَائِلٌ بِمِثْلِهِمَا وَلَسْتَعَاذَ مُسْتَعِيذٌ بِمِثْلِهِمَا That no person has asked for anything with their likes. And nor has anyone who seeks refuge sought refuge with their likes. And this is because when you reflect upon these two chapters at the end of the Quran, you see that a person is seeking refuge with Allah, the Lord of mankind, the King of mankind, and the Ilah of mankind, the deity of mankind. And this goes back right to the beginning of the Quran. Alhamdulillah. Rabbil Alameen. Allah is his rububiyyah. And then you have uh, uh, his, his, his mulk, that he is Malik, Maliki Yawmiddin. And that he is the one who is worshipped alone. The same meanings are repeated at the end, right at the end of the Quran. That he is the Rabb of mankind, he is the Malik, the, the, the king of mankind, and that he is the Ilah, the deity of mankind. So a person seeks refuge from Allah, in these two chapters, first of all, from all of the evils, min sharri ma khalaq, from every evil in general, every evil in general, all evil that exists in this creation. Then, these chapters go on to mention the specific types of evil that come to mankind. So from them, from them is when the night, when the night comes and it brings with it the evil, min sharri ghasiqin. From the, from, the, from, the, uh, from the night when it envelopes. So the night brings it all sorts of evils, harms, the shayateen, the jinn, the predatory animals, the, the poisonous animals, and just you know, things of that nature. And then from those, and then from magic, those who engage in magic. This is now a second type of evil 
and harm within this creation. And in the third type, the envy that you find through which people give the evil eye. The evil eye. And then in the chapter after, we see that we are seeking refuge from the whispering of the shayateen, the shayateen among the men and the shayateen among the jinn. And these whisperings are the whisperings that put doubts in our hearts, put doubts in our hearts, the shubuhat, about the religion, or they entice us to fall into those things which are unlawful, which are prohibited by following the desires of the soul and things of that nature which bring harm to a person. So these two chapters that were revealed, they have nothing like them has ever been revealed to any prophet or messenger prior to that time. And they are the greatest thing by which a person can seek refuge in Allah from all of the evils and the harms that come to him from within the creation. So after this, the shaykh then says, my dear brothers, after mentioning all of these texts, uh, which mention the virtue of the Quran, uh, he says, فَاجْتَهِدُوا إِخْوَانِي فِي كَثْرَةِ كِرَاءَةِ الْقُرْآنِ الْمُبَارَكِ so strive, O oh my brothers, in reciting the Qur'an, the blessed Qur'an, especially in this month in which it's been revealed. Because there is a specific virtue in reciting it in abundance in this Qur'an, in, in, in this month of Ramadan. For Jibreel salam used to come to the Messenger of Allah in Ramadan, and he would present the Qur'an to him every year once. But then in the year in which prior to the passing away of the Messenger of Allah he recited or presented it to him twice ta'akidan wa tathbitan in order to strengthen it and fortify it. And following this, following this practice, the Salaf the Salaf anhum, they used to frequently recite the Quran in Ramadan. So for example, Imam al Zuhri, Rahimahullah. When Ramadan would enter, he would say, "Innama huwa tilawatul Quran wa it'amut ta'am." When Ramadan entered, he would say, meaning this month is only reciting the Quran and feeding food to other people. That's all there is in this month. Meaning, preoccupy yourself, or he would preoccupy himself in these two deeds: reciting the Quran or feeding food, feeding food to, to the fasting people. And Imam Malik, rahimahullah taala, when Ramadan would enter. Uh, he would leave reading the hadith and he would leave the gatherings of knowledge and he would turn to the Quran and he would recite it from the from the Mus'haf and Qatada Rahimahullah he would finish the Quran every seven days outside of Ramadan and then within Ramadan he would finish it every three days and then in the last ten nights of Ramadan the last ten days of Ramadan he would finish the Quran in one in one day or in one night so you might be thinking how is this even possible for a person to read the Quran in a single day well if you think about it if you time yourself average, how long it takes you to read one page on average, you will find it will be, if you read at a moderate pace, it will be between one and a half to two minutes. 
one and a half to two minutes let's say one and a half minutes there are 604 pages in the Quran and if you multiply that it brings you to about 900 minutes 900 minutes how many minutes in a day anybody know huh how many minutes in a day 60 times 24 1440 1200 plus 240 1440 so 900 minutes is 15 hours out of 24 hours right in those 20 in so so 9 hour, uh, 15 hours you have 9 hours to spare in those 9 hours you got to remember there's no food while you're fasting so the meals are out no no, no time wasted on meals then there is the salawat that you are praying. So let's just give, let's say, for argument's sake, let's give two hours for the salawat. That gives you six hours for your sleep. That's, that's more than enough. So you can see how it is more than possible for a person to finish the Qur'an in a whole, in a whole day. Now, we are not saying everybody should go and you know, try to recite, finish the whole Qur'an because the aim of the Qur'an is to reflect upon it and to act upon it and to understand it and to take admonition from it. And we know that the Sahaba radiallahu anhum and the Tabi'een and the Imams that they had memorized the Quran and they could walk and do whatever they are doing, sitting, lying, standing, engaging whatever they're doing, and they could recite the Quran off by heart. And they could finish the Quran and likewise they would also understand its meaning. So it's kind of like a revision for them. A revision for them. So this is how the Salaf used to be with the Quran. Ibrahim and uh, Ibrahim and Nakhai, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, used to finish the Quran in Ramadan um, every three nights. And likewise, in the last ten days, he would finish it every two nights. And likewise, Al Aswad, Rahimahullah, would recite the whole Quran in two nights in the whole of the, of the month. Just a quick announcement, there is a Volks, Volkswagen van to be moved. Uh, it seems that you are blocking someone. Registration number N32JLM. N32 this is a Volkswagen van. If you could move that, please. I think you are obstructing someone or blocking the, blocking the, the road. So, this is the first half of the Shaykh's explanation of Tilawa, Tilawa Lafdiya. All of this is the Tilawa which is Lafdiya to do in wording. We want to finish quickly, inshallah ta'ala, with the second part of this. And this now is the Tilawa Hukmiya. The Tilawa whereby you are actually following the commands of the Quran. And this is the true meaning of Tilawa, of the true meaning of Tilawa. And so we, this brings us to the statement uh, of Allah Zawajal, الَّذِينَ آتَيْنَاهُمُ الْكِتَابِ الَّذِينَ آتَيْنَاهُمُ الْكِتَابِ يَتْلُونَهُ حَقَّ تِلَاوَتِهِ Those to whom we have given the book, they recite it as it truly should be recited. أُولَٰئِكَ يُؤْمِنُونَ بِهِ وَمَنْ يَكْفُرُ بِهِ فَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْخَاسِرُونَ those are the ones who truly believe in it. And the one who disbelieves in it, then they are the ones who are the losers. Now when we go back to the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, 
And look at how they explain this statement of Allah Azawajal, يَتْلُونَهُ حَقَّ تِلَاوَتِهِ This brings us back to this word tilawa. Well, first of all, let us go to another chapter in the Qur'an, in which Allah Azawajal, He says, وَالشَّمْسِ وَضُحَاهَا وَالْقَمَرِ إِذَا تَلَاهَا By the sun, وَالشَّمْسِ وَضُحَاهَا And the light which it brings. This is at the start of the day. At the beginning part of the day, you see the light approaching because the sun is bringing that light towards you before you see the sun. And then at the other side of the day, وَالْقَمَرِ إِذَا تَلَاهَا And by the moon which follows the sun, this is when the sun has set and then you see the crescent of the new moon. Right? It is following the sun as the sun is setting. Then it continues to follow the sun for the next 14 days. For the next 14 days, for the first half of the phases of the moon, the moon is always following after the sun, right? In the first 14 days. So here, this is an oath Allah is making, وَالْقَمَرِ إِذَا تَلَاهَا Which means by the moon which follows it. It is following the sun. So here now we understand the meaning of tala and tilawa. And this is how the Sahaba explained this ayah in the Quran. Those who yatlunahu haqqa tilawatih. Those who follow the Quran, the book as it truly should be followed. Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu, what did he say? He said, yattabi'unahu haqqa ittiba'ih. Those who follow it as it truly should be followed. And then he explained in more detail what this actually means. He said, يُحِلُّونَ حَلَالَهُ وَيُحَرِّمُونَ حَرَامَهُ وَلَا يُحَرِّفُونَهُ عَنْ مَوَادِعِهِ That they treat as halal what is halal in the Qur'an. And they treat as haram what is haram in the Qur'an. And they do not distort it, meaning the Qur'an, do not, do not distort its verses from its proper, from its proper places. And likewise we see from Mujahid, Rahimahullah, يَعْمَلُونَ بِهِ حَقَّ عَمَلِهِ They act upon it, this Qur'an, as it truly should be acted upon. And likewise, Al-Hasan, يَعْمَلُونَ بِمُحْكَمِهِ وَيُؤْمِنُونَ بِمُتَشَابِهِهِ وَيَكِلُونَ مَا أَشْكَلَ عَلَيْهِمْ إِلَىٰ عَالِمِهِ That they act upon those verses which are clear in their meaning and their rulings. Very clear and apparent. Those which we clearly understand. Right? Avoid shirk, establish the prayer, be good to your parents, do not steal. These are the, these are the clear you know, uh, ayat. And at the same time, they believe in those verses which are ambiguous, whose meanings are not clear to them. And as for that which, they, which is difficult to them, then they entrust its knowledge to the one who actually knows it. And likewise, we'll finish with one or two more statements. First of all, from uh, Ibn Mas'ud, radiallahu anhu, and likewise, the same from Qatada. What does it mean to uh, follow the book of Allah? أَنْ يُحِلَّ حَلَالَهُ وَيُحَرِّمَ حَرَامَهُ وَيَقْرَأَهُ كَمَا أَنْزَلَهُ اللَّهُ وَلَا يُحَرِّفَ الْكَلِمَ عَنْ مُوَادِئِهُ وَلَا يَتَأَوَّلَ مِنْهُ شَيْئًا عَلَى غَيْرِ تَأْوِيلِهُ that he treats as halal what is halal, treats as haram what is haram. He recites it in the way that Allah revealed it, meaning upon his messenger. 
and he does not distort its words from their proper places nor does he give it a meaning other than its actual proper meaning so after this we short we short of time but Sheikh Ibn Thaymeen rahimahullah he goes on uh, to mention how the Sahaba would take the Quran um, uh, that they would take as Uthman bin Affan explained and Abdul bin Mas'ud that they would take 10 verses from the messenger of Allah they would memorize them and then they would look into the meanings of these 10 verses and then they would find whatever action they contained and they would act upon those ayat before they move to the next 10 verses and in this manner step by step 10 verses by 10 verses they would learn the Quran. They said, فَتَعَلَّمْنَا الْقُرْآنَ وَالْعِلْمُ وَالْعَمَلُ جَمِيعًا All three together. We learned the Quran, meaning memorized it. We learned the ilm, meaning the teach, the, the, the meaning of that. وَالْعَمَلُ We did it all together. All three things together. So meaning, they didn't sit and memorize the whole Quran or everything. And then look at what it contains of knowledge. And then gain all that knowledge. And then decide to act. But they would take 10 verses and combine everything together. Memorization, ilm, and amal. And so in this is the perfect methodology for acting upon the Qur'an, memorizing the Qur'an, and being of those uh, you know, who, who will uh, be saved on Yawm Al-Qiyamah because they abided, they didn't make hijrah from the Qur'an, they acted upon the Qur'an. There are many other texts that the Shaykh brings uh, from, from the Qur'an about... Uh, the people who abandon the Quran, the people who abide by the Quran, and their outcome in the hereafter. So, because of shortage of time, we'll just conclude there now, inshallah ta'ala. And our brother Taqweem uh, Abu Mu'adh will give us a short reminder for the next 15 20 minutes before we break the fast. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad, wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.